hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brendan Storer. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 59, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm all right, Brennan. How are you doing? I feel like garbage. Oh, no. Better garbage today than yesterday. Yes, yes. I, I have hit a wall. Yeah. This happens to me a couple times a year. Um, and I'm not sick exactly. My body just says, well, Hey, physically. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can't fix what's wrong no, with my I, head. I know it's beyond help. <laughs> but my body says, Hey, Hey buddy, come here. Fuck you. <laughs> and then everything stops. It's more like your body goes, okay, we're stopping now whether you want to or not. Yeah, exactly. We're not taking matters in our own hands. Yeah. You will be having a break. Yeah, that, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. Anyways, I, I, I am slowly getting better. Uh, and it's Good. just a reminder to me that, uh, I have to take breaks. You do. I can't, uh, because even though I'm not working, you no. know, officially, yeah. I'm always doing yeah, something yeah, yeah. for the show or for other things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or and, other people and you're usually doing something else. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, no, it has just caught up with me, but I, I do actually have a little vacation plan finally. Excellent. I made a little money and, uh, I, I'm going to take a little vacation down to Los Angeles towards the end of this month. Nice. Or sorry, next month. Next month. So Excellent. I am really excited. I haven't booked anything yet, but... It's looking good. So good. Fingers crossed. Now you need that. And I know LA is somewhere you can go to recharge. So yes, that's good. How about you? You are staying back at uh, the house on Haunted Hill. I, I am indeed for a week with two cats this time. They have a new friend. Um, but I don't know which I'm more scared of. It's either going to be, um, the house on Haunted Hill or the fact that I have an MRI at the end of next week. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you've got all the fun time. Here, I'm whining. you got all the fun stuff oh, lined up. I'm not looking forward to that. I mean, being claustrophobic, not being able to lie flat because I can't breathe properly. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not super excited about this. That so, sounds like no fun at yeah, all. And, oh, and Ativan doesn't work for me. So, yay. So No, we'll, we'll have to find you some other means of <laughs> relaxation. I do know um, I've had several people tell me to put a sleep mask on. Right. And that way you're in the machine, but you can sort of fool your brain into not being in the machine. You right. could just sort of be anywhere. So I'm certainly willing to give that a try, but yeah, I'm not looking forward to that at all. <laughs> but I, yeah, like I said, I don't know. Is the house more scary or the MRI machine? I think I'd stick with the house. I don't know. The MRI is over faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the intensity of the terror is so much more. Ah, uh, good point. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's all good. It's just a long drive to get out there. Uh, yes, it is a very long drive yes. to get out there. Yes. Speaking of terror and intensity, yes. this episode is all our listener stories. Yes. And I am very excited. A lot of them literally hot off the email this week. Yes. And uh, we because we actually have to have a slightly shorter episode this week, yeah. owing to your uh, your, ca- your schedule restraints, yeah. uh, we're going to have to miss a few of them. Right. But for those of you who sent them in, don't worry, we're going to fit them into our next listener show. And some of which we've actually, I think, uh, stashed away for uh, other episodes as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we if themed you, episodes. Yeah, and if you sent in stories, some of them have gone into sort of theming. Um, so don't be like, oh, they missed mine. Because <laughs> it'll probably still pop up. It'll definitely still pop yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, So thank you for sending those in. We really appreciate it. Some of them pretty blew me away. Like, oh, man. Wow. I am so glad I don't live with some of these people. This <laughs> this is scary, scary stuff, my friend. It is. It really is. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have our listener stories. Welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is going to be all listener stories. So thank you to everyone who sent them in. Definitely. And uh, this is actually our 10th volume 
of listener stories. And we are nowhere close to getting through them all. You do this every time. You're always like, I had no idea there were so many. I'm like, oh. Well, I was lucky this time because I was going to do, we had another episode lined up. We did, yeah. And I was too messed up to finish the script. Yeah. And so thankfully, our listeners have come through and we have all these fantastic stories Amazing, amazing, amazing. They're our 10th volume of listener stories. I still can't believe we're at like episode 59. Yeah, there's that too. I can't wait for episode 69. I, I'm going to say <laughs> say something stupid. I don't know what yet, but it's going to be stupid. Oh, Lord. Why isn't that surprising? I got, me? What, what, five five months to figure that Just out? Just make sure you wear pants. That's all I'm asking. Well, that's one surprise ruined. <laughs> all right. So let's get going with these stories. Our first story comes from Happy, and, and that's not really their name, but that was the name yes. they gave us. I was listening to your May 14th podcast about haunted healthcare with great interest as I'm a resident care aide at a long-term care facility. And uh, something that she said that I wanted to share was, uh, I 100% agree with your comments that it is a privilege to be with someone as they pass. In all honesty, it is a part of my job that still hurts and probably always will, but it is a privilege to be there as they leave this world and then to clean their body and prep them for their family or the funeral home. People may think it is gross, but it is the last kindness I can perform for them. And oftentimes I have known them for years and I truly do care about them. And that's just a really beautiful thing. It is. And yeah. I, I, I honestly, you know, we, in my family, we've had a lot of deaths and I, I want to say thank you because yeah. people like that who do those kind of jobs are invaluable. Absolutely. And they're often not paid enough. No, no. So just on a serious, totally serious, Personal not note. making a boob yeah. joke note. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, so she goes on to say, on to my experience. Months ago, I had an interesting experience in one of my residents' rooms. She has dementia and is able to speak, but it doesn't always make sense, and she tends to repeat the same phrases. I have worked with her for many years and know her voice well. I was in her room getting her ready for bed. Her bed was to my left-hand side. The closed door behind me was on my right-hand side. The closed window was on the far left of the bed. I had just finished putting her into bed and was getting her properly positioned. I was looking right at her face, and she was looking at me as I adjusted the pillows under her head. As I was doing this, I heard a loud female voice say two distinct, separate words directly into my ear. I don't know what was said, but there was no mistaking two words were spoken. Since the resident was on my left side, there is no way she could speak directly into my right ear, and I was looking right at her face. Her lips did not move. It was not her voice. She had not spoken. As I heard the voice, my resident turned her eyes from looking at me to looking to the right of me. I turned around expecting to see that the other care aide on duty or the nurse had entered the room, despite me not having heard the door open. Every hair on my body raised as I saw no one was there, and the door was still firmly closed. I immediately went and opened the door and stepped out into the empty hallway. I was near the end of a dead end and had a clear view of the entire length of the hallway, and would have seen if anyone was walking back up to it. There wasn't anyone in sight. I checked the neighboring rooms to see if any staff were in them and found and all I found was sleeping residents. I went back into her room and went to the window to double check it was in fact closed, despite it being on the far left-hand side of the bed. I was trying to rationalize where the voice could have come from. I wish I'd been able to understand the two words that were spoken. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And there was something I wanted to mention. Bren was just talking about how it's a privilege, you know, the, the person who wrote in said it was a privilege to be with someone as they exit this world. And in the last episode, I made a comment about how we don't give enough uh, right. attention to someone's departure. Yeah. Well, all the fuss is made on the entrance. Well, that was pretty uh, white guy centric of me. Uh, and I know this, like, this is what bothers me. I know this. There are plenty of other incredible uh, deaf customs around the world. Um, and so when I said we don't, I meant North America. Uh, and so one of our listeners actually wrote in to say that uh, she's uh, a first gen Vietnamese American and that they do have all sorts of rituals around death right where they stay with the body they speak to them as if they were alive to help their soul transition and they uh like to keep the body in the same place so the person's soul and uh body aren't sort of shocked or jolted and this person right, right, right. can take their leave so i wanted to say thank you for taking the time to send that in and i apologize because <laughs> i honestly do know better and it was just me being i don't know 
Oh, just speaking quickly and carelessly. Yeah. That's, well, all, that's all it is. That's the story but, of my life. Yeah. So true. <laughs> but that, that was Roxanne who sent that in. Yes. And so, yes. Yeah. No, so thank, thank you. you for that. That was great. And and I agree. Like uh, when you were talking about that, about it being a privilege to be with people as they go and and uh, and our, our friend, the nurse in the previous story, it's totally true. And some cultures do better at it than others. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Yeah. I, have you, you've seen people die i have yeah. yeah when i worked for the church of um, course i would do visitations and sometimes it, this is where the privilege comes in because you have a relationship with the family right and they want you there right like specifically you there um and so i have been yeah i've been privileged enough to be there and it's <sighs> there's it's a unique experience absolutely yeah. Th- there was a fellow i interviewed for strange um available everywhere fine books are sold <laughs> because there's no amount of solemnity too thick wow. for me to make a sales pitch uh, i could see you at my funeral speaking and you'll be like as i say in my book well i keep hoping it'll happen because <laughs> the show will get a real boost <laughs> ian's final episode <laughs> i'm telling you yeah. tearful goodbye tearful goodbye <laughs> the funniest clips yes. yeah remember when remember when oh ho ho <laughs> you'll milk that cow for years you bet your sweet ass Charlie Brown. <laughs> But um, anyways, no, as you I, interview busty redheads for my replacement, <laughs> you say that like I'm not doing it now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm going to have to get the whole staff who are going to do my MRI vetted so that I'm not <laughs> somehow trapped in that machine. And <laughs> yeah, the relaxation aids I've given you. That's right. <laughs> careful. But um, anyway, but yeah, no, I interviewed a doctor for strange and he was describing you know, of course he had been present at many deaths, uh, but he just said there's such a perceptible difference. Yeah. You know, there is, uh, obviously you were seeing someone who is, you know, was alive and is not, but yeah. there's also this uh, in, intangible mm-hmm. difference to it. Mm-hmm. And the times I've seen someone die, I, they've been very close. So I've been too emotional to properly see that. Of course. But, but, uh, hearing that from an outside observer, especially someone trained in clinical medicine was really yeah. fascinating. Well, and it's, I read a line in a book about, um, this person saying, oh, I touched my grandmother's hand and it was so cold. Right. Um, icy cold. And it's like, actually, no, it's just room temperature, but we are a very warm running people. <laughs> of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I, I, I almost thought of that. wonder if expectation plays into that too. Yeah. You know, sort of the absence of life, you know, yeah. cold, that, that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. The cold, like they looked flat. They yeah. Looked, yeah. I will say, and just before we get on with stories, cause I know this was supposed to be a quick episode. Um, one of the worst habits I think we have in North America, uh, and this may, I don't know that maybe this is an indication of my, uh, uncomfortability with death, but the viewing yeah uh, when i was when my grandmother died i was 14 my first grandmother and they wanted us to go to the viewing yeah and i i don't know man hanging out with a dead person not a real good time <laughs> not a real good time for some people that gives them the assurance or the that mental, they're still dead <laughs> yeah the mental uh permission to recognize they are dead right i get it right I don't know that everyone should be forced to partake in that particular grieving process. I think that's more of a personal choice, but um, I do understand why they do it. Right. Um, fair enough. But I don't, yeah, no. No, not for me. For me, it's like, torch me and check me in the ocean. I'll be happy. Done and done. Oh, Jesus. Wait, wait. You have to be dead first. <laughs> I should specify clearly. Yeah. Important. Yes. And I don't want the busty redhead throwing out my ashes. Be great for Instagram though. <laughs> it's all about the gram. <laughs> This story comes from Elisa. My first experience was when I was about 21 years old. Some friends of mine and I had gone to a local bar and had a few drinks. We were trying to decide where to go next when one of us suggested we go ghost hunting. We decided to go to a graveyard and take photos at night. Hi, Brennan. One of us would say, wait, I think I hear something, just a joke and freak each other out. Suddenly I said, guys, something just touched my hand. My friends teased me and I insisted, no, I'm not joking. I felt something. We were walking around taking photos and from what I can best remember and describe, it felt like someone softly touched my hand gently as if trying to reach for my hand to hold it. We came across some no trespassing signs and decided it was time to GTFO. Later, while looking through the photos I took in the graveyard, I noticed what looked like a transparent little boy about seven to eight years of age. 
I still felt quite skeptical at this point and convinced myself it was pure coincidence or that I was imagining I saw the face of a child in those photos. I have since rid myself of the laptop these photos would have been on. Years later, I've seen photos of similar figures to the photos I had. Sadly, I wish I'd kept them. I should also mention that I'm not a huge believer in psychics or mediums, but I do think I have sensitivities to certain things. Gut instinct, women's intuition, spidey senses. I'm not sure, but I do get what I'll call sensory judgment or short instinctive messages. I'll feel this sense when I walk into certain buildings, houses, or rooms. My next story. My mother moved into a two-story house over 10 years ago, and I had these feelings of something being there, but no rational reason whatsoever to feel that way. The house was gorgeous, and we made many fond memories living there. Quite some time went on when the family dog would randomly stare at what appeared to be nothing, and it gave me the creeps. I would try to divert her attention away and pass it off as nothing. After living there a few years, one morning I was getting ready for work. Nothing out of the ordinary, just cleaning up, doing my hair, putting on makeup. While I was finishing my makeup, looking at myself in the mirror, a voice as plain as day almost shouted into my left ear, Hello? And I turned and screamed. It scared me so badly. It sounded female or childlike, and I was frightened out of my wits. I immediately walked all over the house, but no one was home but me. The family dog has since continued to randomly stare into space. My mother has since moved. Last story. My husband and I were married and stayed in a haunted winery. Now wait, I know it sounds super creepy, but it's actually a gorgeous wedding venue. My husband and I are from the Kansas City area, and since there are no mountains or beaches or gorgeous desert, I wanted a place with much history. It was once an orphanage and has been remodeled into an event venue where they have mostly weddings, a bar winery, and now are a bed and breakfast. My husband and I were one of the first couples, actually the second, I think, to stay the night there at their bed and breakfast. Everyone asked me if we had any experiences while we stayed, and I'm honestly not sure. On my wedding night, I woke up to what sounded like giggling kids, but I fell back asleep, assuming it to be teenagers, since they'd had recently some vandalism by teens at the time. And I knew there was a bodyguard and innkeeper there with us. Or was it vandal teens? Raises eyebrow. I definitely felt something there. I have no doubts about it being haunted. I think it is 100%. My husband and I, not quite two years ago, bought our first house. I was over the moon excited for us to buy our first house together after living in an apartment for a couple of years. I pictured all the things I wanted to do and update, and little did I know I would get that opportunity when I was eventually laid off. I never sensed anything prior to us moving in, and my husband would make jokes about our creepy attic. We joked that the attic is haunted by a ghost named Walter, but it has been that, just a joke. I don't know about you guys, but moving is incredibly stressful to me, and my newlywed husband and I at the time were fighting all the time. One night, about two weeks after we moved in, while I lay in bed waiting to fall asleep, I felt something was watching me. I did not look out of fear, but in the corner of my eye I saw a small boy standing in the corner of our bedroom facing me. He was the height of a boy about seven to eight years of age. He outstretched his arm and pointed towards our window. I closed my eyes, telling myself it was just in my head, and I'm stressed out and tired. I have not felt or have seen anything since then. Was this pure exhaustion or something brought on by the negative energy in the house? I don't know what to think about this. I have no reason that I can think of for this young boy if it is indeed an entity following me. I haven't lost anyone close to me that was this age group or that he even resembles. I have no idea what to make of it, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. Any input would be greatly appreciated. Well, funny you should say that, because I did indeed have some thoughts, and I replied to this listener with them. Before I hear your thoughts, which I'd like to hear, um, they mentioned that if we're ever in the Kansas City area, yes. they will treat us to drinks, perhaps a haunted winery, and maybe Red Lobster. Yeah. If I am in Kansas City, and because of you, I have to go to Red Lobster <laughs> instead of a barbecue joint, I am going to shoot you and leave you in the haunted winery. Well, just bring me back some biscuits. You can do whatever you want. Okay, fine. Perfect. My thoughts immediately as I read this, because the, the string that ran through it, she says, oh, I don't know why I'd be haunted by a young boy. I don't know anyone in this age group. I don't think the young boy was there because it was someone she lost. I think possibly, and this is a long shot, it was a young boy who recognized her in that graveyard in his mind as someone he'd lost. Oh, interesting. Because her first contact with that kid is him trying to hold her hand. 
Oh, right. And then he keeps popping up all the way through. It's always that same spirit. The voice, childlike or female. Right. Seeing the seven or eight-year-old boy, childlike giggling. And I said that to her. I said, you know, I think he may think you are someone he's lost. A mom. Right. Or or sister or somebody that was very precious to him. I don't think he's with her all the time. I think he just comes and checks in. Fascinating. Yeah, I do. That was what I got out of that story big time was like, oh yeah, no, I get it. It's this kid and he just keeps coming back to check on her. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is weird. And she really appreciated it. She's like, oh, I never even thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, so it's nothing you've done or haven't done. You just may look like... Just the right place at the right right time. 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 Yeah. Interesting. This next story is from Tyler and it wasn't technically a listener story. I mean, Tyler is a new listener. Yeah. The story was told over a series of tweets. So I'm just going to read those here. Tyler says, I think I just had my first paranormal experience in my new home. I was making dinner in the kitchen. My wife was napping on the couch. Max was upstairs in his crib taking a nap. The monitor was on and loud. I wanted to make sure I heard him. And as Max was waking up, he started to cry. Not unusual after a long nap. Then clear as day, I heard a female voice in his room say, shh, baby. Now I'm pissed because I thought it was my wife and she's not supposed to be taking stairs. She's She's on bed rest. So I storm into the living room to see my wife still asleep and snoring on the couch. After somebody shit in my pants, I ran upstairs to see Max laughing at something in the corner. I've been rattled all damn evening. We've been here four years and this is my first experience. So that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, for your first experience. Well, and the interesting thing is, the whatever it is, she didn't reveal herself to the grown-ups. Just to the baby. Just to the baby. It's technology that caught her in it. Yeah. So that's really interesting to me. Doesn't sound like a threatening thing, though. Not at all. No. In fact, I think it's just something who quite possibly knows she's gone. Yeah. But isn't ready to move on and perhaps just enjoys being with a family. That's kind of nice. It is kind of nice. I think there's more of that than we realize. I think so, too. He I, said I, freaking everybody yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I understand. I think because we tend to focus on the scary stuff. One, because it, it sells. And two, because it gives you that thrill. Our next story is from Joanne. At least that's what we're going to call her because we agreed to use a different name. Yes. I hope you're doing well. My name's Joanne and I started listening to the Ghost Story Guys podcast a few weeks ago. And I have to say, I really love it. You both do a great job and I love the humor you put into the podcast. Yes, even yours, Brennan. Oh, that's sweeter to throw you a bone. Thank you, Joanne. However, the main reason I reached out is to get my encounter off my chest. I've held on to this story for years. No one knows what happened to me. I grew up in a religious family. I myself still hold on to the faith. And so I kept what happened to myself, knowing that the tale would fall on deaf and unwilling ears. Listening to the podcast made me feel like I wasn't alone. And after much thought, I've decided to send you a written account of what happened to me in the hopes that perhaps the weight on my shoulders can be lifted. I suppose if this story had a title, I'd call it Night Watchman, and you'll probably see why soon. It all began when I was around the end of my time in elementary school. My family and I had just moved, as my father was in the military, and he got relocated shortly after my third grade year. After the move, probably about half a year later, I started to wake up inexplicably in the night, though it was not every night. It was like Russian roulette, but instead of a bullet to the head, I got the shadow people. Honestly, I probably would have chosen the bullet instead had I known what I would go through over the next few years. When I would wake up on these nights, I would immediately feel panicked. It was sudden and absolutely terrifying for a child of any age, to say the least. I didn't notice the shadow people at first. It was only after the second or third incident that I saw them. They would always stand against the back wall of my room, not moving, just watching. There were always three, and each one was a different height from the others. I knew they couldn't be shadows cast from my nightlight because they stood in front of the thing, making the room darker and yet I could still see their figures in the darkness, as if they were made of an even darker material. I would feel pure terror, and I would scream, but no sound would come out. I could feel myself scream, I could move my mouth, I could feel my throat clench at the action, but only silence would meet my ears. You couldn't hear anything when the shadow people were present. No clocks, no birds, no cars, not a sound. I would usually burrow under my covers and hide until I fell asleep again, though how I ever could sleep after that is a mystery. I would always ask my parents if they heard anything the night before upon waking up in the morning, but they said they'd heard nothing but the traffic and the birds, things I hadn't been able to hear. When I first mentioned the incidents, they shrugged it off as a nightmare and said I was just all turned around from the move. 
however, I knew this wasn't the case, because without fail, whenever I would see the shadow people and try to scream, the next morning, my throat would hurt. The feeling was similar to having been at a concert or other event. My voice was raw and scratchy. My parents blamed this on my allergies, but I only had this feeling after an unwanted visit. Besides, my allergies are seasonal, and I would still experience this out of season. As the years passed, the shadow people kept on coming to me. At first, I saw them once or twice a month, but by the time I was 15, I saw them upwards of five times a month. I hated going to sleep because I never knew when they would show up. Then something I still can't explain happened. Some friends and I went hiking at a place called Stone River National Battlefield, a Civil War site. We spent a few hours exploring the park and learning about the battle, which was doubly interesting to me since I grew up in a military family. Not only that, but my family could trace our military ties back to the Revolutionary War. And if America had a part to play in a war, it turned out at least one of my relatives had been there too. And you guessed it, some of my ancestors had fought in the Civil War as well. It was a fun trip, and after all was said and done, I went home, completely exhausted. I felt odd, like something was close by. But I was home alone for a while, so I know that couldn't have been the case. The feeling of a lingering presence persisted for a few days, until four nights later, when I woke up again at night. This time, however, I wasn't afraid. Confused, I sat up in bed. Usually I woke, ready to face my tormentors. Instead of the shadow people, however, I saw something else. Rather, someone else. In the corner of my bedroom stood a soldier, rifle in arm as if he was on watch. I wasn't afraid of him. In fact, somehow I was relieved. I can't explain why I felt this way, considering a random soldier was standing in my room, but that's just how I felt. He must have noticed me staring, for he looked my way, smiled, and then vanished. The next morning I realized the man was dressed in the Union uniform, the same uniform I'd seen on display at the battlefield and in my history books. The uniform one of my great-great-great-grandfathers wore. The soldier's visits continued for a week. Each night I would wake up and see him and go back to bed. After that, I just stopped waking up at night. I never saw the soldier nor the shadow people ever again. Wow. Right? As someone who has a, a, a real interest in shadow people because of my own unpleasant encounters with them, that really, really speaks to me. I love that story. It, yeah, me I too. Mean, it's so powerful that she went to the Civil War site and something there either recognized that she was in distress or just came back with her because it something in her resonated. Yeah. And took care of her. Oh. That's amazing. No kidding. Yeah, no. I, I, I absolutely sympathize with you, Joanne, because as I say, I've had the... That for me, I wasn't even able to scream. No, I, I know couldn't, I couldn't move enough just, to even frozen. move my mouth. Yeah. yeah, and you know it's funny because it's not the first time I've heard of one ghost protecting someone from another ghost. Oh yeah, but they're usually already both in the same house, right? Or they're both in the same building. That's the first time I've ever heard of one who kind of came back with somebody as a bodyguard and then did what they were going to do. That's amazing. Joanne also sent in a story about a visit to a former concentration camp in Germany. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to share that next. First, I want to give a bit of background, she says. Matthausen concentration camp was one of the first camps built. It was a work camp and the most common causes of death was exhaustion slash overexertion. Parachute jump in the quarry, where SS officers would push prisoners off a cliff for fun. The stairs of death or the experiments and gas chambers brought about by Dr. Arabert Heim. Dr. Death, as the inmates called him. The camp was one of the last camps liberated by Allied forces. In the summer of 2017, I was spending a few weeks studying abroad in Europe with other psychology students as part of our curriculum. Halfway through the trip, we paid the camp a visit. The moment we walked into the gates, you could tell the air was thicker, and everything felt almost dull. All the chattering in our group ceased, and the longer we walked, the more somber we became. How anyone could even smile in that place, even after so long, is beyond me. Shortly after entering the camp, we were brought into the basement area of the facilities, which held the cremation ovens, the autopsy tables, gas chambers, and Dr. Death's lab. I first started to feel something in the former lab area. It wasn't the same as the mood drop I'd felt upon entering. I got goosebumps, and it felt colder than it had been when we first got down there. This was the middle of the summer in an old basement full of people. Cold wasn't what we would have been feeling until then. The cold seemed to follow me as I moved on, but none of my classmates seemed to notice. Then we got to the room of names. The Room of Names is a memorialized area, filled row upon row with black tables. 
On these tables were names. Thousands of names. The source of light in the room came from the entry, exit, and the softly glowing names. At this point, I began to trail behind my group because I was having a hard time absorbing it all. I was overcome with the unimaginable sadness, standing there alone amongst the names of the dead. As I approached the exit, I suddenly heard crying. It sounded male and it was right in my ear, but when I turned around, I was still the only person left in the room. No one could have made the noise. I booked it to the exit, but in my haste, I hit the edge of a display and lost my balance. I don't know who did it, but I was suddenly jerked upright by a harsh tug on the back of my shirt. Again, I turned, thinking my professor had come looking for me. I was still alone. Something or someone, unseen, had stopped me from falling and most certainly injuring myself. Since the floor was concrete, I have no doubts I would have had some form of injury. Timidly, I said thank you to the empty room. I didn't expect a response, even after everything else. Then the same male voice I had heard crying said, Bitte, in my ear. Now, I don't know much German, but I know enough to understand that Bitte is a simple way of saying you're welcome. The cold spot that had been around me for so long disappeared after that. Let's just say I left immediately. Later, I was talking to our tour guide and fishing for answers. I asked if there were any speakers or sound effects in the room of names. She looked at me rather bewildered and said the only effect down there is the lights. I didn't sleep well that night. That's another amazing yes, story. Absolutely. I think there's nothing else to say there. It's incredible. Thank you for sharing those with Thank us, Joanne. Thank you so much. This next story is from Dina. I work at a medical examiner's office, and I've specifically worked in the morgue for four years. We conduct autopsies for the four counties we serve. I go back and forth on whether I believe in an afterlife and ghosts. I was raised by a very superstitious Italian mother. But having worked with the dead for so long, I see death as more of a peaceful ending rather than something transcendent and to be feared. As hard as it may be for most people to believe, I find my workplace a very happy and fun place to be. Mainly because I find my job insanely interesting and fulfilling, but also because of my wonderful co-workers who make showing up to work fun. I've never really had any issues. Recently, though, I've had two incidents which I cannot explain. The first incident happened about two months ago in my lab. On this particular afternoon, I was filling up a large pot with water to clean some remains. Yes, human. And since it usually takes a while to fill up, I placed the remains in the pot and left the water running while I went to the other side of the lab to take care of some additional tasks. Now, my lab is in the shape of an L. And at this particular point of the story, myself and the pot were on opposite ends of the lab, so it was not in my line of sight, but rather blocked by the corner of a wall separating us. Soon I got carried away in what I was doing and forgot that I'd left the water running. All of a sudden, I saw out of the corner of my eye what appeared to be the lower half of a body running from me, around the corner, and into the room with the filling pot. At first, I thought it had to have been one of my co-workers joking around, so I quickly walked around the corner and into the other side of the lab. My lab has only one exit, through the section I had just run into. On top of this, the door is extremely heavy and takes a very long time to close on its own. It also makes a huge slamming noise when it shuts, so even if I wasn't fast enough to see the person running out of the door, I would have been fast enough to not only see the door shutting, but I would have heard it as well. I stood there very confused and startled, trying to reason through what had just happened. Then I noticed that the pot was seconds from overflowing. I quickly ran over and shut the water off, thankful that I would not have to mop up a room full of water, which would most certainly have been the case if I hadn't run over when I did. My second story happened last week. Everyone on my floor works from 8 to 4, while myself and my one other co-worker, let's call her Gina, work 9 to 5. It was around 4.45 and I was the only person on my floor, seeing as Gina had called in sick. I'd been cleaning up and sat down to take care of some last-minute emails before leaving for the day. All of a sudden, I heard quickly but firmly the word lady in my left ear. I quickly spun around and yet saw no one. I didn't have any music on and my lab door was shut. It didn't repeat itself and I didn't feel anything around me. In fact, I know it sounds strange, but I really didn't feel creeped out and just shrugged it off. Like I said, these are the only things to really happen in the time I've worked here. I don't know if a non-paranormal explanation can be given for these events, but neither of them left me feeling scared or sad. I guess, if anything, it was just something or someone trying to be helpful. Anyway, I love your podcast. I'm looking forward to many more episodes of your show. Well, that's good because I'm not 
good at anything else. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to me. Almost every story has had a voice right in the ear. Yeah. And that's the one experience I've had. Of course, you're right. Down right. in Helm Canale. So that's so interesting to me that these are all coming out now. Well, I, funny enough, that, that happened to me in Hawaii once. No. I was out for a walk one night. It was one of those nights where you think, I should probably be inside. Right. I was yeah. walking around Waikiki about, I don't know, 1030. Yeah, you've told me this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, short short version of it is I heard someone whisper hello in my ear and there was no one around. Yeah. And uh, I went back to the, the condo. Quickly. Yes. <laughs> and uh, as I recall, I felt or heard rather someone tugging at the door a couple times. Yikes, yeah. I followed you home. No kidding. Oh my goodness. But, uh, yeah, that's fascinating, Dina. Uh, again, not her real name. Not her real name. But um, I'm kind of wondering too about the half person thing. You know, like the time I thought I saw that huge thing in Revelstoke, but my vision cut out after I sort of got up past its legs. Right. And it was, it was like I was looking at something and then all of a sudden my brain took over and said, nope, that doesn't exist. Yeah. And just cut the rest of it out. Wow. So I wonder if there's something like that there. That's cool. This story comes from Sam. As a doctor myself, I am loving the haunted healthcare episode. I have a related story that I thought you would enjoy, not for me per se, but for my wife. When we were dating in college, she worked in a facility that provided living accommodations for students with severe physical disabilities. Because of their needs, there had to be someone in-house 24-7 to provide assistance with basic daily activities. This was her student job. I would frequently pick up tacos and hang out, watching TV and keeping her company. Catch is, is the building was a repurposed hospital where surgeries used to be performed. One night we were watching TV and all of a sudden she says, oh, I almost forgot to put the broom in the elevator door. Of course, my response was some version of, why do we put a broom in the elevator door exactly? She informed me that if there wasn't a broom to hold the door open, the elevator would continuously run back and forth from the third floor to the basement over and over, except occasionally it would open on the first floor where we were. Turns out that the operating theater was historically located on the third floor and the morgue was the old basement. When I clarified saying, so you're telling me this building is haunted, her reply was something along the lines of, well, a little. Total badass. That's why I married her. <laughs> I love that. It's like someone's a little bit pregnant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just a, just a scotch. That's awesome, though. That's so cool. And you've had that with your building. Uh, definitely. The elevator will be waiting for you. Or it'll open yeah, for you. It'll open for me. Um, it opens for uh, my friend all the time. Like, it's like she leaves the condo. Right. And the elevator's just there, open. The door's open, waiting for her. And this is an elevator. It stays on the floor. It's locked on. Yeah. So if you get off on the first floor, it's not going anywhere until someone calls it. Right. So the fact that it shows up and opens its door for her really weird the only time it ever happened for me was when i was going away for two weeks and i think it knew it and it was like yeah get out move it you bastard move it get out yeah it was pretty funny so weird i eh? don't like elevators no no there's that scene in russian doll that netflix series mm -hmm. where she mm -hmm. gets in an elevator mm -hmm. that's oh, yeah. about to crash yeah that has stayed in my head Aww. oh terrifying Brennan. terrifying muffin screw you you'll be okay no i won't i'm a 300 pound <laughs> man if i rush towards the ground things are bad <laughs> They will not end well. No, that's true. You'll be like a little pile of pizza on the bottom of the elevator. Thank you. You're welcome. This story's from Kate. I have a few stories to share. I consider myself an open-minded skeptic and will always look for a scientific slash rational reason for any unexplained incident. However, if it walks like a ghost and talks like a ghost, well, since I do have an interest in the paranormal and macabre, I've been to several well-known haunted locations. I've visited the Whaley House in San Diego and the Edinburgh Vaults, among others. And I've felt nothing unusual at many of these locations. So, the few times when I feel those spooky, weird feelings at unexpected spots, I take notice. I grew up in a small city in Colorado, just north of Denver. My childhood home was new and built specifically for my family. The land had been farmland previously. The house was an average, comfortable new home for my mom, dad, younger brother, and myself. But the house had periods where it was off. These periods of activity would be completely random and would last from several days to several weeks. The activity, when it occurred, could be anything from noises to misplaced objects to just ominous, uncomfortable feelings. Activity would ramp up for a few weeks and then disappear, sometimes for a year or two. When nothing would happen, it would be easy to dismiss as stress or the overactive imaginations of younger kids. After living in the house for years and experiencing several periods of spooky weirdness, footsteps racing up the stairs, noises from unoccupied rooms, and the feeling of eyes boring into you, my mom realized it wasn't just the house settling or us being absent-minded. 
I think the years of unpredictable scary shit had begun to take a slight toll and we wanted some answers. Since the house was new and built specifically for us, we knew the history of the structure. My paternal grandfather, and my father, had been born in this city, and neither could remember it being anything other than farmland. Mom researched the land and surrounding neighborhood. Farmland. No history of tragedy, no brutal massacres, nothing. Frustrated, we tried to rationalize and forget the incidents. Months later, an out-of-state family friend came for a visit. While they were catching up, the friend remembered that my mom was researching the property and asked my mom if she found out anything about the house. My mom told her about the disappointing results and shrugged off the activity. This friend, who was originally from New Orleans and had worked at several auction houses in Louisiana, looked at my mom dumbfounded and asked, What about all your stuff? We had never even thought of our stuff and always thought any activity was connected to the house or land. My parents love antiques and collectibles and often frequent estate auctions. Our new home was full of old things. The activity was random because it wasn't connected to the house or land, but to the occasional newly found treasure that was brought home. Since we finally had an explanation, we felt oddly comforted. We weren't crazy. We weren't imagining things. This newly found info didn't dissuade my mom from auctions and antiques, but she started a ritual of sort whenever she brought in a new item. Mom would tell the previous owner that she bought the item because she loved it and that she would take very good care of it. Mom also said that the previous owners were very welcome to visit their item at any time, as long as they behaved themselves and didn't scare us. This little chat seemed to work. The activity quieted down for years. There were occasional unexplained noises or creepy feelings, but they were easily explained away. I had come back to live in my parents' house after university while looking for a job. I began to purchase my own items at the estate auctions and antique stores in anticipation of decorating my future home. At one auction, I purchased a small wood secretary desk. It appeared to be handmade from the 1910s or 20s. I proudly hauled it home. It had been a long day of auctioning and my mom and I dumped the desk in the living room for the night and would haul it upstairs into my bedroom the next day. In the early morning hours, I was awakened by loud, thudding footsteps on the living room's hardwood floor. The footsteps sounded to be slowly circling the room and had a distinct male quality to them, heavy and hard-soled. My dad was out of state on a business trip, so I figured it was my brother and fell back asleep. The next day, I recalled the footsteps and thought it odd that my teenage brother would be roaming the living room in the wee hours of the morning, admiring the boring antiques purchased by his goony mom and sister. I asked him, and he denied coming upstairs from his teenage boy basement sanctuary. I had one of those. Mm-hmm. Me too. Since my dad was gone, there were no other males in the home, and my mom was too small to make such heavy footsteps. I cautiously peered around the living room door to look at the desk. Nothing was disturbed. The charming little desk sat innocently in the middle of the living room. I tried to dismiss the incident as a dream. Later, as we were getting ready to haul the desk upstairs, my mom asked me, Did you hear those footsteps in here last night? Guess the guy who made this desk was just checking up on it. He's probably happy it isn't stored in a barn anymore. Good lord, not the thing to say as we're placing the haunted desk of Satan in my bedroom. The footsteps never came back. Maybe my mom was right. I've developed this love of antiques and collectibles into a profitable little side hustle. However, I happily keep all my inventory in storage. That seems like the right thing to do. Uh, yeah, I yes. agree. <laughs> Yikes. This is why I don't buy antiques, Kate. This is, I just don't. <laughs> I have some, but they're from family, so... Right. Well, I guess that's, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want my family sticking around either, but <laughs> I'm a bad person. This is from Connor. I wanted to start off by saying that my wife, Micah, and I are huge fans of you guys. And we listen to the podcast every chance we get. We could listen to you guys talk about anything, not just the paranormal, because we find ourselves laughing through most of your episodes as you lighten the mood along with scaring the shit out of us. And you can hear us talk about anything at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. Well, Patrons get access to the monthly water cooler episode where we talk about all of the crazy shit we can't talk about in the main show. It's not really crazy, usually just the movies we're watching and the food we're eating. Patreon.com slash ghost story guys. <laughs> I like that you're using your powers for good finally, not just to shill your book. Which is also available on uh, Okay, Fine. shut up. I'm reading the story. My wife will probably hate, if, hate it if you air this story because she is so tired of hearing my one and only ghost story after she heard me retell it so many times. Sorry, honey. And I apologize for the length that this email is about to be. Now, I tell you, this is me and her, both believers in ghosts, but we just haven't had very many experiences. Ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to have a legitimate experience with a ghost, so I could retell the story. But I refuse to ever make one up as it takes the joy to the experience for me. And really, you can always tell when a story is bullshit. I agree with you. 
I've always been fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to never had an experience of my own until I went to basic training in the summer of 2013. In 2013, I was 17 years old and still in high school when I swore into the Air Force Reserve. In June, I was about to leave for basic training and I wasn't ready to go as the longest I had ever been away from home was 10 days at the most prior to this point. I arrived to basic training at Lachlan Air Force Base in San Antonio, and it's exactly as you would expect. The moment you get off the bus, the military training instructors, aka drill instructors, immediately get in your face and begin to yell at you, attempting to stress you out. After what seemed like a lifetime, we arrive to the dorms and we settle in a bit. Before the MTI walks out, he becomes calm while maintaining his loud voice tone and starts discussing what the plan will be for the next day. When we'll be waking up, what he expects of us in the coming days, etc. He then asks, All right, before I leave, does anybody have any questions? Then one of the trainees spoke up and asked, Sir, I have a question. Is this dorm haunted by any chance? The MTI said, The dorms were built in the 60s, so absolutely, and then proceeds to walk out while maintaining a straight face. I had no idea what to think at this point. The dorms we stayed in were split up into two bays, A Bay and B Bay. Each bay consisted of about 30 beds and big steel lockers that surrounded the dorms, and each trainee is assigned both a bed and a locker. I was assigned a bottom bunk bed at the back of A Bay, and my locker was pretty much right beside my bed. Every morning we had to wake up at 4.45 in the morning to the sound of Reveille, a song that's played loudly in each dorm that signals trainees that it's time to wake up for the day. We were told that we had to sleep in our PT uniform, which consisted of a gray forest branded short sleeve shirt and a navy blue short running shorts, and that if we didn't, we would be punished in a unique way. The problem with that is we didn't have air conditioning in our specific dorm, and on some nights, the thermometer in our door would go as high as 87 degrees Fahrenheit, so everyone would just sleep in their underwear and attempt to get their PT gear on before our MTIs went into the dorm. Keep in mind, this was in the middle of summer in the south. So, 4.45 in the morning, it would be pitch black on the dorms. I eventually purchased a watch during my time in BASIC, but for the first week or two, I didn't own one. Fast forward to about my third or fourth day at BASIC. I wake up in my bed, still half asleep, and revelry still isn't played. However, I look to my side, and I see about four or five guys at their lockers putting on their PT uniform, and I think to myself that I should probably get up and do the same. I get up, open my locker, and proceed to put on my uniform while I continue to hear everyone else opening and closing their lockers, also getting dressed. As I finish getting dressed, I turn around, and to my surprise, I see everyone asleep in their beds, and not one person standing at their locker. As I previously mentioned, I was still half asleep, so I just shrugged it off thinking I was dreaming, and I went back to bed for the remaining time that I had. A couple of days later, it happens again. I wake up in a daze, I see about four or five guys standing at their lockers, proceeding to put their uniform on, so I get up and do the same. This time, however, I look around the dorm to make sure I wasn't just dreaming, and I see a row of about 20 guys doing the same thing, getting dressed, slamming their steel lockers. So I think to myself, oh, I guess it must be for real this time. I proceed to put my uniform on, and as I shut my locker, I turn around and see that everyone is asleep in their beds, and not one person is standing at their locker. So again, I shrug it off, and I go to bed. This happens again one or two more times, but I just blame it on pure exhaustion, and I don't mention the experience to anyone else. Fast forward to the ends of my seventh week of training, less than a week before graduation. One of my flight members, Matt, calls a group of us together. As we gather around, he initiates a conversation. All right, you guys, since we're graduating next week, I figured I'd ask you guys something before I forget. Has anyone else at some point woken up in the middle of the night and you look to your side and some of your buddies are getting dressed? Then you get up to get dressed and then when you turn around, nobody is awake and nobody is at their locker? I became wide-eyed and exclaimed, yes! And about five or six others also chimed in to agree that they had had the exact same experience. I hadn't mentioned my experience to anybody the whole time and I couldn't believe that other people experienced the same thing as me. I thought I'd just been dreaming or that I was hallucinating. But apparently, we just had a ghost flight of trainees who lived in the same door as us. That's pretty cool. And I, I know um, we sort of have two different approaches to this, but I, I know I sort of thought this may have been like a time loop kind of thing or something like that, you know, but uh, and whereas you think it may actually still yet be spirits. I do. I do. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it could be that it's just made an impression on the sort of spiritual atmosphere. Right. And 
so kind of like yours with a time loop, but right. yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that with us, Connor. Yeah. Thank you, Connor. This next story comes from Georgina. So basically, I don't, as a general rule, have supernatural or ghost experiences. Certainly not since I was very small. I had an imaginary friend as a child, and I feel like I saw a shadow person once as a child, but I'm not sure. I'm 20 now and live in the UK. I'm not sure if this is relevant, but figured it best to include it. However, last night I woke up. I didn't have sleep paralysis. I could move and talk, and I saw a small humanoid figure crouch next to my bed. I pointed at it and told it, I don't think so. Fuck off. I went to turn my torch on my phone, but by the time I looked with light, it had gone. It wasn't like a shadow or a misty form, it was literally as if a small child was crouched next to my bed looking at me. It seemed sort of shocked, and I was so shocked to see it that I wasn't even scared until after. I could see the moonlight in my room reflecting off its eyes and features, and it looked like a crouching human but small, kind of like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, but just like a tiny human. I was so shocked because I genuinely thought someone must have broken into my room, it looked so real to me. Like I said, I wasn't paralyzed or anything, and I'm so sure I was wide awake. What do you think it was? I'm so spooked. I live in a student flat, but it's really new and modern. I know no reason why it should have spiritual attachments. So thank you for sharing that one with us, Georgina. Mm-hmm. Um, what I wanted to mention that I have a friend who had a very similar experience. And because of this, I, I wanted Georgina to hear this. So I, I asked her to, to sort of write it up for me. And she said, I was eight years old and fell asleep on the couch in my basement. My parents just left me there because I love sleeping on the couch. I woke up in the night and looked by the TV, which was in my eyeline from the couch. It was about 10 feet away from me. The shadow, she means. It was on its feet, but crouched in a ball. I remember seeing it and feeling afraid. I wanted to run away, but couldn't. Then all of a sudden I could, I could move and it was gone. So whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're certainly not alone. No. This is, uh, yeah. I mean, well, we had the, the story earlier today, yeah. which was very similar, a little, a lot more, you know, dramatic, but yeah. uh, very, very similar all the same. Weird. So weird. Yeah. Shadow people are fascinating. We do have a third shadow people episode coming up, uh, I think later in the summer. Nice. So I'm looking forward to getting into those and thank you very much for the story. So our last story comes from Beth and Alex, and they are friends with Rachel GW. And Rachel is a friend of the show. She handles our Facebook account. And uh, for the last little while, we've heard bits of this story, but it wasn't really until this email arrived today that we heard all of the story. So Beth says, we moved into our current house in August, 2017. It's located in North Manchester. It's a terraced house, third from the end, built around 1900 with a steel factory behind it, so presumably built to house the workers. The house is a typical two-up, two-down terrace with a bathroom added in upstairs, leaving one bedroom the size of the living and the other being more of a box room. At the top of the stairs, there's a small square landing. If you go forward, there's a step up to the larger bedroom. Left is a step up to another square landing of about the same size. If you turn left again, there's another step up and that's to the bathroom. If you went straight forward, it's straight into the smaller bedroom. For the first year of living here, we were a bit uneasy in the landing area, but nothing major. And then two things happened around the same time. We started sleeping in the smaller bedroom, and we also took in a stray cat. The cat was hanging around outside our house when I got home one night around 10 p.m. Being a cat lover, I sat outside for a while and stroked her, and then went into the house. To my surprise, she followed me in and had a little wander. I left the front door open and let her have a route around, and after a while I tried to get her to leave the house and ended up having to pick her up and put her outside. The next night she returned, so we decided we would keep her and figure out if we could find her owners. We made every attempt to find the owners, but no one came forward. We assumed she had them because she looks like a pedigree Turkish Angora, but a couple people who claimed to have lived on the same street as the owners said they always went on holiday and locked the cat out of the house when they did, so the neighbors had to feed her. So she was ours, and we decided to name her Marie, after Marie from the Aristocats, because she was purely white. This is when things started to happen. The first thing that happened was I woke in the middle of the night to the bed being shaken violently from the bottom of the bed frame. Obviously, I refused to open my eyes and did my best to just go back to sleep, a common reaction for me, I would find out. A few nights later, we had a plastic bag on the floor at the bottom of the bed. I awoke in the middle of the night like last time, but this time I could hear what sounded like the bag being walked on. I assumed it was Marie and looked at the window, which is behind our heads, to see how light it was. But to my horror, when I looked, I saw Marie sat on the windowsill. Again, I closed my eyes quickly and tried to return to sleep. A few months later, I got in from work whilst Alex was home, and we heard the washing machine on. I was impressed he'd put some washing in, so when I glanced in the kitchen and saw him washing the dishes, I began to wonder what he was angling for. (laughs) Haha. I put my bag down and went into the kitchen. However, Alex wasn't washing the dishes anymore. I shouted upstairs to ask him why he'd gone there, and he explained he had been upstairs for the past few hours, so he wasn't the person stood over the sink when I looked into the kitchen. 
This part is particularly interesting as Alex has an auntie Julie who lives in Inverness, Scotland. In 2013, another of Alex's aunties and her partner Andy were staying in Julie's converted garage. And Andy woke in the middle of the night to find the ensuite light was on and the dark figure of a man stood over the basin. Whilst Andy was looking at the figure, its head turned to look at him. He quickly closed his eyes and when he opened them back up, the bathroom light was off again. So it's a weirdly similar experience. The activity then died down for a while, no pun intended, until earlier this year. I was sat in the larger bedroom working on a project for work with my music playing when I clearly heard knocking on the window for about 30 seconds. There are no trees near the window and no way to reach it without a ladder. I turned the music off and didn't hear again for the rest of the time I was awake. Around February this year, I occasionally started to see, under the side of my eye, a figure of a tall man stood in the middle of the bathroom, and the same man looking around the corner down the stairs as I walked down them. I didn't mention any of this to Alex for a few months. One, because I didn't want to creep him out, and two, I didn't like the idea of talking about what I was seeing whilst in the house with it, and kept forgetting to tell him once we were out of the house. When I finally brought it up, Alex told me he has also been seeing it, but he saw it in the doorway of the larger bedroom as he was going up the stairs and felt its presence in the doorway to our bedroom while we were asleep. I had decided that whatever it was didn't feel malicious and felt more like it was curious. I asked Alex what he felt without telling him what I thought, and he also said it felt curious. Interestingly, when I was telling this to Rachel GW, she said she didn't want to tell us and freak us out, but she could feel an angry presence pulsating from the wall between the landing and the larger bedroom. All of us only feel the presence on the landing and absolutely nothing downstairs. We're unsure whether us moving into the smaller room or taking in Marie set off these events, but it surely can't be a coincidence. Thank you for sharing that with us, Beth. Now, full disclosure, Ian had to go. <laughs> He's, uh, he had to leave for work, so you're stuck with me for the last little bit here. And I, I'd love to hear his opinion on this, so we'll, we'll have him back on obviously next episode and he can, we'll talk about this a little bit. But it sounds to me like Marie turned up at the right time. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think they are there because of her. I think she is there to help keep you, I don't want to say safe because that's dramatic, but I think just to help as act as a buffer for you. I don't think it was a coincidence that she was sitting by your heads when you heard the walking on the plastic bag. I know there have been a couple times where my cat Chewy has woken me up from particularly nasty dreams, dreams that feel deeper than regular dreams the kind of dreams where you feel like you're reaching out and touching something it, this has felt like those and uh she just meows at me from across the room and always wakes me up but this this has happened three or four times so i again i don't think it's a coincidence and i don't think because she never wakes me up otherwise and i, I so i don't think this is a coincidence and I, and I don't think marie's arrival into your house is either in fact there's one bit in the email which i missed see this is what happens when ian's gone where Beth says, it's interesting to note that at night, Marie rarely leaves the chest of drawers in our bedroom, which looks out onto the landing and has stayed with us most of the time whilst we've been writing this email. And yeah, and I think, again, I think that goes towards what I'm saying about this not being an accident, her being there. Uh, I'm also interested in the fact that you don't feel like talking about the phenomenon while you're in the house. I've absolutely had that experience. Ian and I have both had that experience. When we had the old studio, the 1218 studio, that was the kind of place where you didn't talk about it until you were out of there. Or rather, the, the second floor was very much like that. The third floor where we recorded the show, it was better. But when the office, uh, pardon me, when my office was downstairs, you didn't talk about these things until you were outside. Preferably out of Bastion Square because it, the whole area is quite heavy with whatever force is there. But uh, I'm very much with you. So thank you so much, Beth and Alex, for sharing that with us. And for Rachel, for sending them our way. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with our listener mail and patron shoutouts. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to our researchers, Luke Greensmith and Anthony Germain, for their work on the number of episodes we've got coming up. We've got a lot of work coming. I'm going to be taking a vacation, as I mentioned, so we have to cram two episodes into the space normally allotted for one. And they have been very helpful. So thanks to those guys. And thanks to Sarah for handling graphics and the upcoming book club, which we will be announcing on the next show. I know we've been saying that for a little while, but it is actually happening. 
As I mentioned before, Ian had to go. He apologizes, but we thought it best for the flow of the show just to let it happen. But he will, of course, be back next time. And uh, because he knew he was going, we recorded a couple bits. So we won't be totally without Ian here in the C segment. He knew that left to my own devices, I could say any number of horrible things about him. Like, no. Oh, and then there's, that's disgusting. See, it's just like he's here. All right, so first up, we have our patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our newest patrons. They are Rebecca Brink, Maturi Monday, Marcus, Aaron and Josh. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys, all of you. We've said this before, but I wanted to reiterate this. We couldn't do this without you guys. You make this possible because, uh, again, we've mentioned this before. I've been waiting for a work project to start for quite some time now. And without the Patreon, it would be very difficult for me to make rent. So in addition to helping us pay for the show, which is no mean thing itself because the show is not cheap, you have made a measurable difference in my life. So thank you so, so much. And if you'd like to join our patrons, you can head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys for $5. I mean, you can contribute any amount you want, but for $5 a month or more, you get access to our monthly water cooler episodes, which are anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. It's me and Ian talking about all the stuff we've been doing, movies I've been watching. You get to hear extras on our vacations if we go somewhere. Basically, it's just all the stuff that doesn't fit into the regular show. We also have our monthly live show, which is just an opportunity for us to hang out with you guys. We have, uh, of course, my art cards, which are three uh, postcards, which feature my night photography. And of course, there's Ian's smash hit Christian country album, Aware of Wonder, which you also get at a certain price point. Uh, Funny enough, we had someone sign up recently and she said, I thought this was fake. I thought you guys were just kidding. And oh no, it is so real. So if you want to get all that, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys and check it out. Next up, we have listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. We've been doing this show for a couple years now, uh, a little over two years, two and two and a quarter years. And the show is downloaded more now than it ever has been, which is wonderful. And also the amount of email we get is more than, than it ever has been. And it's just incredible. So we wanted to say... Thank you so much for getting in touch, for sharing your stories, sharing your thoughts on the show. It just is so nice to know that you folks are out there enjoying what we're doing. And it's, it's still kind of surreal for us. I know uh, Ian and I were having this conversation before we started recording about how we just still have a hard time getting our heads around how many of you actually enjoy what it is we do here in this tiny room. And it's, it's wonderful and heartening, and we just wanted to say thank you again. So, these are the people who got a hold of us this month. Teresa. Ika. Chris the Mystery Man. Armin. Melanie. Samuel. Kate. Ruth. Andrew. Sierra. Kaylee. Carmeli. Kelly. Arturo. Jonas. Deborah. Courtney. Rin. Anthony. Joshua. Audrey. Revelstoke Coffee. Connor. Roxanne. Elisa. C. Robin. Bethany. And Alex. And if you want to send us a message, you can find us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. You can find us on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have a pretty great Instagram account at instagram.com slash theghoststoryguys. You can find us at all those places. But uh, if you're going to send us a story, I would recommend you do it at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. It's just uh, easier for us to keep track of things that way. I run the Instagram and I am bad for losing stories. So, fair warning. On the subject of listeners, and I I wish Ian was here to talk with me about this, but we had our listener Julie send us a handmade quilt that is just incredible. So we have put pictures of it up on the Instagram, it's on the Facebook page. Julie, if you're out there listening, it is a wonderful, wonderful piece of art. We love it so much, and we are so, so lucky that you sent that to us. So thank you so much. And I do encourage you to check out the pictures of that on our Instagram. Julie just put a ton of work into that. As far as things coming up, if Ian were here and if he remembered, he'd be telling you that he has an upcoming guest spot on Midnight in the Desert. That's on June 4th at 9 p.m. Pacific, I believe. That's a three-hour show, runs till midnight, and you can listen to that at midnightinthedesert.com or via the TuneIn app if you search for Midnight in the Desert. As for me, I've done a, uh, I guess you'd call it kind of an audition for a certain podcast, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So I will tell you more when I know more. And if it doesn't happen, I will just pretend like I never brought it up at all. 
If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and everywhere else you can leave podcast reviews. It helps us get more eyes on the show and potentially attract more listeners. If you'd like to pick up some Ghost Story Guys gear, we have t-shirts, stickers, mugs, everything you could hope for over at ghoststoryguys.com. There you'll find links to our Redbubble and Threadless stores. If for some reason you'd like to hear more of my voice, you can find me over at Largely The Truth. That's my weekly music show on 92.5 Stoke FM. If you're not in the local broadcast area, and you're probably not, it's a pretty small station, you can listen to that online. That's Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Pacific, and that is just a weekly tour through the soundtrack of my mind. Ian is doing ghost walks all summer, so if you happen to be in Victoria and you'd like to do a ghost walk, let us know in advance at ghoststoryguys.gmail.com, and we'll make sure it all syncs up with Ian's schedule. In fact, if you're in town and you'd like to get together, you'd like us to sign your book or just get a coffee, let us know. We might be able to work it out, depending, again, on, on our working schedules. And that's just ghoststoryguys at gmail.com, and we'll see what we can do. Music and sound effects on this show are provided by Epidemic Sound. If you need pod-safe music and sound effects for your next project, make sure to head on over to epidemicsound.com and check them out. All right, so that's going to do it. Both of us will be back in two weeks with a new show, and Ian will be here for the full show, I promise. And until then, into the darkness we go. Sadius syphilis size <laughs> sibilance. <laughs> I knew someone who had syphilis. <laughs> Lovely girl, bad decisions. I have since rid myself of the laptop. These sorry, really. I know. I, I Can we be professionals? Apparently not. <laughs> oh, my $30 deodorant is in. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I gotta smell this Online games and $30 deodorant. What is wrong with me? I've lost my fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. No, no, no. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) Jesus Christ. We're done here. (laughs) You're the worst. That was awesome. You're the worst. I made you cringe. That was fantastic. (laughs) I'm including some of that in the (laughs) outtakes. That's why I did it all visually. Yes. That's why we don't. Everyone says we should have video. This is why we don't have video. No. No. (laughs) They'd be so disappointed. I know. know. Our tiny mountain cabin (laughs) would be like, oh, fuck. (laughs) 